Thank you so much. Uh, what an honor to be here. Um, yeah, my name is Faith Yuri Cho. Uh, people get very confused by that because they hear of Faith Cho and Yuri Cho, and they think they're two separate people, but they're the same, right? And I say that everywhere I go, and people still get confused. Um, but right now, um, yeah, we just finished Grace Retreat. Uh, it was such an honor to be a part of that, to witness what God is doing in this region. Um, it was such a privilege to just be amongst you people and, you know, and just be part of this family. Thank you so much for hosting us and making it as comfortable as possible with four crazy children. That They had so much sugar the past couple of days, thanks to a very particular pastor. <laughs> like... This morning, my daughter's mouth was orange. I'm like, how is it already orange? And I know how. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, but before we begin, um, you know, I've been asking the Lord what he wanted me to do and how he, what he wanted me to share. And I just really felt like the Lord um, wanted me to start off by saying that I come in peace. And I don't mean that in like a, you know, I come in, not that kind of come in peace, but, you know, um, I felt like the Lord wanted to first bring in peace. So if you could just press in with me for a moment and just welcome the Holy Spirit. Um, I just sense that some of you are coming from a season where you've been fighting for faith, battling for faith, and maybe even distractions. Um, and I just really feel like the Lord wants to Bring supernatural peace into this house today. Jesus, thank you, God. Yes, Lord. Jesus, thank you. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks unto the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ, his Son. And now let the weak say, I I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. Give thanks. So Jesus, you told me today that I'm a messenger to usher in this community, this family, into a new season of faith. So, Father God, may it be done. May you break everything that needs to be broken. And may you shake everything that needs to be shaken. And anything that's hindering anybody here from, from capturing and claiming this new faith, I pray that you break it off in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood over this time. I pray for new peace, even for the parents in this room as they hold their children. New peace. New strength, wholeness, God. Wholeness not only just in body, but also in mind. I pray that anything that's dividing hearts right now be bound, and I command it to go only where Jesus sends it. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, it's funny because uh, my name is Faith, you know, uh, but the battle for faith has been like, it's been my life's battle. And if you've been at Grace Retreat, you heard pieces of that, you know. Um, what funny story is, my parents were not Christian when they named me Faith. So actually, it was between two names. It was either Faith or Ginger. <laughs> Can you imagine? 
that could have changed the course of my life. You know, like, welcome, Pastor Ginger. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't sound as right, you know? Um, yeah, but I, I think it was just prophetic. Like, we just landed on faith. My, it was my mom. Like, you know, my mom was like, yeah, I'm thinking either faith or ginger. I'm like, yeah, let's go for faith, you know? Um, uh, but, yeah. Um, but it's funny because all my life it's been a, a battle for faith. And even now, I feel like the Lord has uh, brought me into a new season of it. And I, f- I believe the Lord has sent me here today to usher everyone into that new season as well. The word that I kept getting last night as I was preparing for today was the word faith. Faith. And some of you feel like your faith level is low at this season in your life. But the Lord says, no, you've just been battling for an upgrade in your faith. And there's an impartation that's going to happen today. Amen. Amen. So can we turn to Luke chapter 5, starting from verse 1. Luke chapter 5, starting from verse 1. You know, uh, I just came from Grace Retreat, so my instinct is very, like, youth-esque. I'll be like, say a word. And uh, I know that's not going to vibe here. So, <laughs> but it's nice to be able to speak in vocab that's higher than SAT level. So thank you. <laughs> you, know, you know, nice to end that way. Okay, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It says, this is the word of God that says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet feet or Jesus's knees and said go away from me Lord I'm a sinful man for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken and so were James and John the sons of Zebedee Simon's partners then Jesus said to Simon don't be afraid from now on you will fish for people so they pulled their boats up on shore left everything and followed him You know, the struggle for faith is so real because the struggle is real. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, that's like what kids say these days, or at least millennials say that the struggle is real. The the struggle is so real. You know, Um, people ask me, uh, is it hard being a working mom of four? And my answer to that is at this point, I don't feel pain anymore. You know, I'm just numb. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, said, I don't even know what day it is sometimes. What country am I in? What time zone am I in? You know, like literally every single day. And I'm not exaggerating. This is not just for jokes. Every day, midday, I ask my husband, what day is today? Where, like, what, what's, what, what time is it? You know, it's, just, it's such a blur. And sometimes when things are a blur, the last thing you're thinking about is signs, miracles, and wonders from the Holy Spirit. Come on. You know, let's just be real. Let's just be real. You know, it's just like, you know, on Sundays, you know, I'm pretty sure. I mean, if you got Pastor Q and Pastor Mimi here on the pulpit, I'm sure there's, there's fire. You know, and you're, and you're hearing, oh, Jesus, miracles, prophecies, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, when you wake up Monday morning and your kids are all over you and there is a, there is a catastrophic meltdown because milk spilled on the table, you know? And then someone drove, like, swerved right in front of you when they shouldn't have. Or when the barista at Starbucks talks too much. And you're like, I ain't got the time for this. But you, I'm like, I'm Christian, and I should love you. But man, I just want my coffee, you know? And in those moments, you're not thinking, oh, like, heaven on earth. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not thinking about the prophetic word that you got on Sunday morning. You're just thinking, I just got to survive. I just got to make it. You know, you know, you feel me on this. You know, this, the struggle is real. It's true. Let's just be real. The struggle is real. And it's so hard, you know. It's like those, you know, there's people that are on the mountaintop with Jesus and they just don't know how to get down. You get what I'm saying? But most people come down, you know, and they're like, oh, the presence of God is enough. And you're like, shh, you know, because it makes you feel like less of a Christian, you know, and they're like, oh, just pray about it. And you're like, you know, you know, and those people like I'm a realist. People think, oh, because like, you know, I have so much joy in, the, in my life now at this point, you know, and I believe in the fire of God. I believe in sign miracles and wonders. I mean, I'm all about that, but I'm a. I'm a realist, you know what I'm saying? So sometimes when people are like, oh, everything is great, all is well, blah, 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 blah. You just want to, you know, you know, because the struggle can be real. And sometimes a struggle feels realer than the goodness of God. And so in those moments, you battle for faith. You battle for faith. And sometimes that battle is so discouraging. I believe in an almighty God. I do. I believe in the goodness of God. I believe in a God that heals. I believe in a God that invades the impossible with a heaven sent possible. I believe in that. You know, I do. But I also know my weakness. I also know where my, my failures are, where my character issues are you know back in the day my nickname used to be fury my full name is faith yuri cho my nickname used to be fury because i had some anger issues like anger issues and so people was you know like would avoid me be like oh fury's gonna come out you know fury's just come out you know you know what i'm saying you know i mean the lord redeemed that you know now but you know back then i mean so i mean i sometimes we're just so aware of how fallen we are how weak we are that sometimes that disconnect is so real. That disconnect is so real. And here in today's passage for Peter, I am positive that he is experiencing how it feels when the struggle is real. They've been, they've been fishing all night. I can't even imagine what that feels like. I know what breastfeeding all night feels like, you know? And I mean, that's hard. So fishing all night. I mean, at least I get to sit. But if you're fishing, I don't know. Like, I've never fished, so... I, that's a mystery, you know? It's like, it must be really difficult, you know? It's like, you're, this is your livelihood, you know? This is, this is, you know, like, this is your life, and you're just, you're bearing no fruit. And sometimes it's easy to assess your value, your worth, and your destiny according to what you do not see happening. It's so easy to get ministered to by discouragement. Come on. You guys get what I'm saying? It's so easy to get ministered to by that boss that doesn't like you. You know, you know, and like the things that are not working out. Oh my goodness. It's so easy to get ministered to by that bill you see every month. And that student loan that just mocks you every month. Like you're poor, you're poor, you're poor. You know, you owe, you owe Uncle Sam your life. Like, you know, it's like we like study to pay bills. It's just basically how it turns out sometimes. And sometimes it's easy to get ministered to by that. But here, faith was born. Faith was born here. Breakthrough happened in this passage. You know, and I want to really explore that for a bit, if you don't mind, today. You know, how faith was born and, 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 and there was a breakthrough in one's destiny. There was a breakthrough that happened for Peter and his, and his friends. There was a, a breakthrough, uh, uh, you know, and we all crave breakthrough and that is okay. You know, sometimes, you know, it's like easy to be like, oh, why aren't you thankful for what you have? No, that desire for breakthrough is God's design in your life. Because the way we were created, if you look in Genesis 1 and 2, we were created to rule and reign. 
We were created. You know, it's funny because the Lord told Adam and Eve, I want you to, you know, spread your dominion. Go rule and reign. Spread all of, go be fruitful. But it's so funny because they had to start at the Garden of Eden. They had to, they were just given a garden. But that, that commission to expand, break through, that was just in their design. God wanted to go, them to go from the garden and just spread, break through, go where there's no life and bring it life. That's in our, that's in our DNA. So your desire for the more is God-given. Your desire for breakthrough, that's God's design in your life. So sometimes I know, I know. It's like, you know, be grateful, be grateful. Yes, we are grateful, but we could also have a hunger for the more. Amen. We could also have a hunger for the more. And you see, Peter, because he was so (laughs) ministered to by the lack, by the discouragement, I'm sure in this time, it wasn't that he was contending for the more, but the more stumbled upon him. And there was a breakthrough in faith. Now, I, not only from this passage, but also from what I have observed as a pastor in the Western Christian church, I have noticed there's a tendency for four things that block people from a breakthrough in faith. Okay? It's not all inclusive. I'm sure there's more. You know, but generally from a, from perspective of someone that has ministered to the Western church often, and also according to this passage, I have seen that oftentimes when there's about, when there's about a breakthrough about to happen and God wants us to walk in a new level of faith, there's about four things that stop the Western church, the first world church. And these are things that we tend to idolize without realizing it. The first thing that we tend to idolize, the Western church, is a concept of balance. The concept of balance. I just want to make sure that my life is balanced. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to get, you know, like uh, this church or this ministry, I'm not saying this church, but, you know, a lot of Christians, you know, sometimes say, this church is too demanding. I need some balance. You know, I got to balance my church life, my, you know, home life for the sake of the children. I got to have balance. You know, I got to work out. I got to pray. You know, it's all about balance. You know, I, um, I frequent, or not frequent, but, you know, uh, we have a relationship with um, the loaves and fish. Um, it's, like a, it's like a foster home in China. And, um, and their story is incredible. Before I went there God told me to go there and said you will find the garden of Eden there you know and I was like my, my goodness I gotta go there and I go there and it's beautiful it's like a foster home in China for disabled children and it's just such a it's like heaven on earth you know and it's such like a place where the father's heart is but if you hear the stories of the the um the um the founders of this house and what they've been through they have nine children, most of them disabled. And the running of a foster home with, I think, like a staff of about 60 people, you know, and, and they house all disabled children. And they do it all. They're not just preachers, but they, they do it all. They're carrying their son around. I mean, and I, I mean, but they have heaven wherever they are. They see miracles, signs, wonders, and I, I sat... I sat one of them down. I said, how, how'd you find balance? <laughs> you know, you're my Western pastor. <laughs> and I was like, so, uh, you know, because I'm thinking, you got to keep your marriage intact. You know, they had the two, two of those children were their blood children that they took from an upper class lifestyle into Fuzhou, China. You know, like, I mean, I can't even imagine. So I'm just like, so, how'd you find balance? And that was my legit question. And she looked at me like, ah, there was none. And that was like my worldview just went, I'm just like, what? Because in the Western church, we're all, we think balance is wisdom, you know? And there is an element. I'm not saying, I'm not promoting having mental breakdowns for the kingdom of God. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, please like, 
you know, hear me in the right filter. But I think sometimes we think that we have to feel like our life is under control to feel like we are in line with God. And we're afraid. We're just so afraid of letting go of some of that control. And she just looked at me and said, there was none. I've never seen such faith in a family as I did in this family. They literally sold an entire house to go on a three-week mission trip to Ghana. You know, I mean, and I see the fruit of it, though. You know, and I see that it, the, the heaven on earth, I mean, it's, there was breakthroughs, signs and wonders, and all the things of God. Not that it's just about signs and wonders, but the things of God. They had it. And I was like, how? And my question was, how did you balance it all? And she just said, there was no balance. And she said, but there was God. You know, sometimes we got we to gotta be willing to let God handle where there is an imbalance. And sometimes we hold so tightly to the need for things to be balanced that we forfeit the thrill of riding that wave of faith with the Holy Spirit. You know, and the second thing, you know, that I, you know, I mean, and I say all this to say that here, you know, I mean, Peter was, he was fishing all night. And when Jesus was like, let me get on that boat, Peter could have totally been like, excuse me, sir, I tired. Can you get on another boat? Let me finish washing this, these nets and I'm going to do my thing. You know, he could have, for the sake of balance, you know, I mean, he's been trying all night and Jesus is inconveniencing him. And he could have totally stopped him for the sake of balance. A second thing that tends, that the Western churches tend to like uphold so high without realizing it. And it sometimes blocks our breakthrough in faith. Is this, it's a, it's a concept of community. And now before you, uh, community is good. Okay, don't get me wrong. When the presence of God comes, he calls us to steward it within community. I am not saying community is bad. But sometimes when people try to look for a church, they don't look for Jesus. They look for community. You guys get what I'm saying? And when they leave a church, they don't leave because Jesus tell them to. But they leave because of the sake of community. You know, but did you know that when you seek Jesus, he provides you with a community? You don't look for the community and find Jesus. But the Western church, we flip it upside down. I got to go where, where you know, uh, people look like me, are the same age as me, and are on the same life stage as me. You know, and we, we idolize that so much that we, we completely miss sight of Jesus. I wonder why I'm not growing spiritually. You know, we, we have this, I wonder why. You know, it's because maybe you're looking for man and not for spirit. You know, and here Peter... He could have totally been like, well, the other guys aren't doing this. You know what it says by the end of this passage? It said that he left everything. Other fishermen too. The ways of his family, he left everything to follow Jesus. And eventually the community, the disciples, the 12 disciples, it formed. I'd rather look for Jesus and have a community that looks for Jesus than be in a community that looks for community. You guys get what I'm saying, you know? A, a, a third thing that the Christian church in the West tend to uphold is um, the, the idea of sense. It has to make sense. Does it make sense? Let me tell you. Nothing in here makes sense. Nothing. You know, think about it. It's like, the, the, Mary? Jesus and Mary? If I were God, and I said this at Grace Retreat, if I were God, I'm going to just come down in my chariots of fire with angels blowing the trumpets. I'm like, I have arrived. You know, that's easier. Then everyone will believe. Not as many people need to go to hell. It's done. It makes no sense. At least find a married woman. You know, but she went for a non-married woman. None of it makes sense. Moses goes up to the Red Sea. Jesus says, throw a stick at it. Nothing makes sense. 
You, you feel me? You know, I, I, and this is not to say that God does not use a sense of logic. This is not to say that we do not seek understanding. But, some, you know, so all of that is good. But sometimes we forfeit walking into the greater unveiling of the mysteries of God by holding on to what we think is fleshly sense. It always just has to make sense. Some of the greatest breakthroughs I have seen in the Christian church started off with things just not making sense. You know, William, like the, the Azusa um, revival, you know, the breakthrough of the greatest Pentecostal movement in the, in the modern day age, right? Started not from like someone like Billy Graham, who was America's pastor, but someone that one African-American, you know, uh, who, did, who was not like this charismatic preacher. You know, he was, I think, partially blind in one eye. He wasn't even allowed to sit in his seminary classes. He had to have a desk outside his class because of segregation. And yet God chose him. And why? He got kicked out of his own church. He got, and the thing is, God told him, go, you know, go to the north. He was from the south. God told him, go to the north. Why? It makes no sense. Take seminary classes where you have to sit outside your class. And, and, then, and then you get kicked out of your own, you know, own church. And then they, they, they decide to hold a prayer meeting on Bonnie Street, about five people praying for, you know, because he believed in the gift of tongues, but nobody had tongues. It made no sense, but what that did, it, it brought a breakthrough that literally changed the entire world. Because a move of the Spirit came so strong that people started to congregate on Bonnie Street so much that the actual porch broke through. So they had to go to Azusa Street, and people from all over the world started to fly in, or fly in, boat in, I don't know at that time, you know, train in, I don't know. But they were just, just because there was a move of God, but it didn't make sense in the beginning. Sometimes we're like, well, let me see if it makes sense. You know, that manifestation of the spirit, I don't know if it makes sense. You know, God told me to do this. I don't know if it makes sense. Sometimes we have to be willing to get over the fact that not everything will make sense to us. You know, it's like children. Can you imagine if children ran the home? But for them, like a lot of things just don't make sense. Mommy, if you love me, why don't you give me chocolate first thing in the morning? Why? I don't understand. You know, it's like if, you know, with their, if we allow them to run everything with their limited understanding, nothing will happen. They will not grow. They will have diabetes by the age of 14. You know, but here we are saying, God, I'm only going to do things in my life that make sense. That will block you from that greater breakthrough of faith. And, that, and, and another thing, and one of the last things that I've seen, or main things that I see that potential blocks of faith, you know, is a sense of calling. But what am I called to do? I'm not going to do anything until I know that I'm called to do it. When someone says, can you be a part of welcoming? I don't know if I'm called to do it. You know? Can you... Can you be part of the setup crew and like, you know, set up the chairs? I don't gotta pray about it. I don't know if I'm called to do it though. You know, we we have a sense, you know, especially millennials, like the the gener the millennial generation. We love talking about calling, but what am I called to do? And we're always in this search, like, what am I called to do? God, who am I? That's why we love songs like, I'm your beloved. It's like, what is my place? Where, you know, like, I mean, there are some songs out there, you know, like, this is, I remember my mom, because she's from that older generation, where it's like, it doesn't matter what you're called to do, you just pray, you serve, you die if you have to, you know? That's the older generation, right? We got to learn a little bit from that. I remember she was listening to some of my Bethel music that I had on my Apple TV, and it was a song like, what can I do for you? What can I bring to you? What kind of, and my mom was like, what are we listening to a diary? <laughs> you know, but that's our generation, the millennial generation. We're like, God, do you love me? Do you, have you called me? Do I have a purpose? And 
and we don't do, we just, you know, every Sunday, come on, do I have a voice in this generation? Like, you know what I mean? The answer is, I'm just going to save you a lot of time in the wilderness. Yes. Yes. Come on. Yes. I think the cross is proof enough that he loves you. I think the cross is proof enough that he wants to use you. But sometimes we just uphold the sense of calling like, God, why am I here, God? What, what country do you have you called me to? What people group? What demographic? And the Bible is already giving you enough instructions to know what to do before you figure those things out. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. You know, uh, love other people. You know, uh, uh, I don't know, like heal, heal the sick cast out demons right I mean uh, we have a lot of stuff to do before we figure some of that stuff out you know I I've done youth ministry for about like 12 years almost 11 years and I've worked with college students as well it's always like but I don't know what I'm called to do am I supposed to be an engineer or an accountant and my answer is just pick one because nobody cares as much as you do and to be honest, I don't think God cares as much as you do either. Just pick one. Love God, love others. Heal the sick, cast out demons. You know, make disciples of all nations. You guys get what I'm saying? Sometimes we're like, but my God, what? Am I supposed to go to Columbia or Johns Hopkins? Just pick one. Just, just pick one. You know? And love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love other people. Heal the sick, cast out demons. Make disciples of all nations. You know, there's a lot of other things that are important in us aside from just calling. And funnily enough, you find your calling as you do those things anyways. You know, but the, the church, we're just like, oh, but what? You know, and we, we halt ourselves. Is our church called to serve the community? Is our church called to help orphans? Is our church, we're just like, oh, is it we called? And my answer to that was, would just be probably yes. Choose one and just do it. You know, sometimes we stop ourselves. So, you know, it's funny because, you know, Jesus said, Peter, you're going to be fishers of men. I mean, that's extremely vague. I don't know about you, but if God was like, you're going to be a fishers of men. I'd be like, where? What do you mean fishers of men? So what am I called to do? Like, you know what I mean? I could totally be like that. But we sometimes we do that. But So you mean as an intercessor? So what are, what are my giftings, Jesus? Well, how can I use my giftings then? What's my Enneagram? Jesus, how can you use my Enneagram for the, you know, it's like, just do it. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Peter it literally said he just dropped everything and he followed Jesus. He did not follow the calling. He did not follow community. He did not follow sense. He definitely didn't follow balance. He just followed Jesus. And that is where faith is born. So some of the things that he did right is that he, one, you know, I mean, this is just being practical because it's a Sunday, so I'm going to be very practical, you know. You know, but he allowed Jesus into the boat, for one. Sometimes, if you know, people ask, okay, well, I want greater faith. How do I, how do I get that greater faith? Like, how do I do it? And sometimes it's just including Jesus in your life and some of your decision-making processes. Do you know, my husband and I, whenever, you know, I mean, we have four children, and we always envisioned, we just knew that God wanted us to have a kind of home where there's a dog. You know, it's true. I don't know why we thought that, but we did. <laughs> and we went to a pet store, and I know I get it, like, adopt, don't shout, I get it, you know, but we went to a pet store. And like, when, but when you see this beautiful terrier make your kid smile, you're just like, sign the check, let's buy this dog. And you know what? Thing is, we didn't include God in the process. You know what we did? We leaned on sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a perfect dog, good temperament, good breed. Financially, we could handle the payments. You know, we, we, we leaned on sense. We 
lean on the sense of balance too. Can we handle it? Yeah, right now I'm like in between pregnancies, so you know like we can handle it. You know, it's like we 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 were leaning on all these things, you know, except including Jesus. The best thing Peter did was he let Jesus get on that boat. You know, will you let Jesus into your personal life, in your drives? In your decision-making processes of, you know, I remember when I was pregnant with my first, I went to a prayer house and there were all these prophets. You know how prophets are, you know. And they're like, God knows what baby carrier he has for you. And I'm like, okay. I didn't know he needed to be part of that process. But I'll, you know, I'll take it. You guys get what I'm saying? But, you know, Jesus, he wants to be involved. Some people, they want to know, okay, how do I live my life on faith? You, first, you could just try to involve him. You know, bring him into the boat, you know? F funnily enough, the, 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 I mean, so how that happened, you know, when we got that first dog, uh, it was the worst decision of our lives. Ruined our lives for about nine months. Okay, it really did. It really, like, I mean, this, this dog was, like, there were problems with this dog. This dog had to go back to the breeder. It was just, like, a lot of, it was leaking urine everywhere. It was just weird. And then the second time, someone asked us, do you want, we have a new litter of Shih Tzus. Do you want, do you want this dog? And my thought was like, no, 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 no. You know, but my husband, he went into the shower and he included Jesus in the process. He said, Jesus, this is dog ours. And you know what? My firstborn, my daughter, she had a dream that night. She woke up and she said, mommy. And she didn't know we were thinking about any of this, by the way. Like she didn't know we were thinking about getting another dog. I didn't want to get her hopes up. But she said, Mommy, I had a dream that we had a brown dog. And I was like, <laughs> 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 he could give us a shih tzu. <laughs> like, you know? But this dog is everything that we've wanted, unfortunately. You know what I mean? We, we just include Jesus in the process. And not only that, Peter allowed Jesus to inconvenience him. That's very inconvenient. I've been fishing all night, and you're telling me I'm a professional, and you're telling me to do something that's against my professional opinion. Will you let Jesus inconvenience you? Will you let Jesus interrupt you? You know? Like, for example, sometimes, you know, when um, I'm, like, getting ready for a service, you know, I'm, like, you know, my kids are always around. But, you know, when, when I'm about to preach, I'm in the zone. You know, like, when you when go into the boxing ring, you're just like, yeah. You know, like, you know, my husband's like massaging my back. He's like, you got this, babe. You got this. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes one of my kids will come up to be like, mommy, mommy, I want you. And in my heart, I'm just like, baby girl, I got, I got kingdom stuff to do. You know, I got important things to do. And I wouldn't let her interrupt me when actually loving on my one is just as important as preaching to thousands you know what I mean? Like, you know, so in that same way, will you let Jesus interrupt you, inconvenience you? You know, I have four kids, but in New Jersey, they don't, uh, there's no public preschool. You know, that you have to pay for preschool. I'm sure it is here. I don't know. But anyways, that's, so they're all very close in age. So we actually have about three in a preschool system at the same time. Average cost for one child to be in a regular preschool is like $1,000 a month. It's like, uh, eat or education. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and like, uh, so, but by the time I had my fourth, what ended up happening, and this is just full disclosure, you know, uh, legally speaking, when I had my fourth, we actually went under the poverty line, you know, which was actually really great. You know, it's like literally, because the, the government help comes in to help fund for some of the schooling for your kids. So actually all my kids go to school right now, you know? But so I remember when my husband came in to the house and I was like, why is there a smile on your face? What's going on? And he's like, we made it. <laughs> I'm like, what did we make? He's like, babe, we're under the poverty line. I'm like, no way, what? You know? <laughs> so there's this program called Four C's that you apply and they, they approve your children to get government help for your children to go to school. So we did all that. And they, when the, the letters came in, all rejection. And we started to freak out. Because, I mean, we both work in the ministry. And I, I don't know if you've seen my kids, but they got to go to school. Like they they got to go to school. <laughs> they can't stay home, you know? <laughs> Like, there's too much energy in the house, you know? And so I, 
And I was like, God, what do you want me to do? You want me to quit my job? Do you want me to just be a stay-at-home mom, homeschool? What do you want me to do? And in that moment, you know, it's like, I remember, you know, we were about to panic, about to have a meltdown, but I was like, you know what? I think we should pray on this. Include Jesus, right? Include Jesus. And so, and just in my heart, something stirred up in me. And I, and I got this conviction, God's better than that. God's better than that. Did you know, it's easy to know that God is real. It's easy to know that God is good. But faith is believing that God is good enough to do something about it. In that moment, something stirred up in me. I was like, and I looked at my husband and I said, you, you apply one more time. And he looked at me, he's like, babe, you know how thick those packets are? <laughs> Three packs. I was like, no, I, he's, and he literally told me, he was like, the information will all be the same. Why would I fill it out again? And I said, like, I don't know, but God's better than that. He, won't, he would not screw us over just because we're fruitful. You know? <laughs> you know? So I'm like, sign up again. So he allowed the Lord to inconvenience him. And you know what? One week later, the letters came in. They all got accepted. Yeah. But we would not have experienced that breakthrough in faith unless we allowed Jesus to inconvenience us. And another thing is Peter obeyed instruction. I think Christians overcomplicate our walk with God. You know, what's our calling? What makes sense? Well, I think it's just about hearing his voice and following it. It really is. It's just, it's not complicated. What church do I go to? Who do I listen to? What podcast do I get? What translation of the Bible do I get? Just listening to his voice and following it. That's literally all life is in the kingdom. Just listening to his voice and following it, even if it makes no sense. And what, the, what Peter did right was when Jesus said, throw your net over there. Peter just said, it makes no sense. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it. You know? Um, so, I mean, so I've been pregnant for about like five years. Right? So, I mean, four kids back to back to back. I was pregnant for a long time. Um, and how we ended up in New Jersey was this. Uh, we were actually in Queens, New York, for a bit. And I, got, I became pregnant with our first child. And around four months, five months, I spoke at a revival. And the pastor, you know, he just felt this call when he, you know, he saw me. He just felt this call. Like, I got to hire her. Because it was for a youth group that didn't have a pastor at that time. You know, it was a big youth group, rich neighborhood, you know. Like, over 200 kids. I mean, it was just like, it was a good job. And Pastor James, he looked at me and he's like, will you consider working for us? And I said, no. Because to me, that, you know, made no sense for everybody. I'm like, you could hire anybody you want. Why would you hire a pregnant woman? And at that time, I didn't finish my MDiv. You know, and he said, I don't know. God just told me that I need to hire you. I said, nah. Because uh, I worked with inner city kids in Queens at that time. Why would I go to 200 rich kids in New Jersey? It makes no sense to me. You know, sense, right? And then he asked me three times. And he said, I feel it in, in my spirit. You're meant to work here. And at the, by the third time, actually, the, all things kind of lined up where I said yes. But can I tell you, the PTO, they were mad. Because they waited one year for this man to hire a pastor, and who did he hire? Someone that looked like she was a 17-year-old pregnant woman at that time. Because I was 25 when I was pregnant, so I was like, I looked way younger than I do now, you know? So here, and I was seven months pregnant. So think about it. You wait one year to hire a woman, and she's on maternity leave in like a month and a half. It made no sense. But this man, this pastor, he just obeyed God. He's like, God said this is right. And whenever people would complain to him and say, you shouldn't be hiring, you should be hiring a man. You should be hiring, you know, you should be hiring this kind of person or that kind of person. He said, nope, God told me this is the right one. A month after I gave birth, a great revival broke out in that youth group. I mean, these kids, they were hungrier for God than I was. 
and I am not joking about this, they would come early on Friday night services, turn on Misty Edwards worship music, and be slain on the ground before service even starts. I mean, at least let me do my job, you know? You know, I like literally, it's like I come in and they're like, oh, I'm just like, oh my goodness. These kids just love God, you know? They, they want to just, I mean, a huge revival will break out. Deliverances, healings, I mean, signs, miracles, and wonders amongst youth. Not just any youth, spoiled youth, rich youth. You know, I'm like, they don't deserve it, but they got it. Jesus loves everyone, you know? It's like, it makes no sense. But that would not have broken out unless obedience came forth first. It's not complicated. It's not about strategy. It's not about having some great plan, some five-step program to make your church grow. But it's about listening to his voice and saying yes. It's just yes. That yes is what amplifies faith. And I am going to close with this. So I think Praise Bank could come and help me, you know, um, so yeah, allowing Jesus into your routine, allowing his voice to interrupt you and just simply obeying his instructions, obeying his voice. You know, um, when my second one was born, he was born a month early and uh, he went into the NICU. You know, I shared a little bit about this in the Grace Retreat, but um, I didn't fully share, like, how crazy this time was. Anybody that has sent their children to the NICU know how just devastating and dark it feels, you know? Like, um, yeah, it's like my first one, she came out, everything was fine. I mean, I went into 20 hours of labor, one that had an emergency C-section, but, like, that's a whole other story, you know? But it was just healthy. She was fine. So for us, that's what we were expecting, but here, the, you know, when he came out, the first thing that they said was, yeah, his breathing is kind of weird, so we're going to just watch him for a little bit. And we weren't able to keep him, and they just rushed him into the NICU. I remember it was just so traumatic for us, like, to have your child being torn away. And, and you know, for me, like, I'm, I mean, I'm like, oh, it's going to work out. It's going to be fine, you know? But nurses will start congregating around the, the machine, and that's, like, a bad sign, you know? Then specialists will come in. And they're not telling you much, you know. They'll just specialists will come in, and and then eventually, when they start to update you on the reports, you know, the first, you know, the first update, it'd be like, ah, oh, hmm, not that great. Two hours later, the second update comes, it's doing a little worse. We're gonna give him some antibiotics. A couple hours later, another update comes. Yeah, we put him on a, a breathing machine checking his oxygen and you know this whole time I'm just like God I know you're good I know you heal I know my son's gonna be fine but in that moment the struggle became real became realer than what I believed that God was and as I said faith is not just about knowing that he's good it's knowing that he's good enough I knew that God was good but that really tested what I believed I would even have go to sleep I would actually have a dream that there was this demon waiting outside my door. We stopped letting visitors come in because it was too heartbreaking because there was no baby to look at. Instead, people that would pray would come in and will pray and I'll just be crying. After about the second or third day, I remember um, I was like, God, what's the point of praying? You're just gonna do whatever you want. That was how I genuinely felt because the struggle was real. I believe that God was good, but in that moment, I don't know. I didn't know if he was good enough. I knew that he was right, but I don't know if he was good enough. I remember I was just like, forget it. I don't want to pray. And literally, like a minute afterwards, a phone call comes in. It was my spiritual father. And he says, Yuri. That's my, you know, middle name. It's Yuri. He said, don't give up. And I knew that was from God. Don't give up. Don't give up praying. Keep praying. And I just started weeping because I was like, I don't know what you want from me, God. If you think I'm strong enough, you're wrong. If you think I'm, like, you know, faithful enough, you're wrong. I'm nothing. I literally just came out of surgery. Like, I, I don't have any faith in me. And you know what the Lord said? He said, give thanks. I told him, there's nothing 
to give thanks for. And he said, give thanks. I said, oh, fine. <laughs> fine. Letting him inconvenience me, right? Remember, I took out my journal. I was like, thank you for this day. <laughs> thank you. At least I'm done with pregnancy. You know, thank you for that. Thank you for the people that love us enough to pray for us. Thank you. That we're in a very nice hospital and I know that my child's getting the utmost care. Thank you. That at least I'm healthy enough to go see him every couple of hours. Thank you. Thank you that he stayed in the womb long enough to at least be, you know, somewhat okay. Thank you. And as I was doing that, I remember one of the nurses came in to give me another report, and it was actually worse than before. Oh. You know, sometimes you just feel like, ah. <laughs> but I remember I just, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you that they care enough. At least that, right? Thank you. Best doctors in the world are here. Thank you. Next day, my my husband came in and he said he's off his breathing tube. And then the next day, he he's done with blue light therapy. And the next, you get, you guys get what I'm saying? Why does it say in Psalm 100 verse 4, enter into his courts with thanksgiving? Because in order to build faith, you can't gaze on everything that's wrong. In order to build faith, you gotta gaze on God. You gotta look at God. It says in Hebrews 12, 2, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Instead of looking at the bills, we look at Jesus. Instead of looking at our difficult child, we look at Jesus. Instead of looking at the flaws of our leaders and our politicians, we look at Jesus. Because I don't want to build more sense. I don't need to build more balance. I need to build more faith because it's only faith that moves mountains. Come on. It's not sense that changes the world. It's faith that changes the world. It's faith that moves God. In order to build that, I can't be staring at everything that's wrong. I got to be staring at, at Jesus. You know, when Peter was walking on water, when did he fall? When it says when he saw the winds and the waves. But when, before that, when he was looking at Jesus, he was able to walk on water. Hope Church, you're called to walk on water. That's what you're called to do. But some of you, you're dipping and you're sliding and you're falling because you're looking at the winds and you're looking at the waves. But Hope Church, the word of God that's in my gut that's being released today is you're meant to walk on water. But that's only going to happen when you're fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. So we're going to worship right now. Can you rise with me? We're going to worship right now.